Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. Welcome to the show, folks. In today's show, I'd like to go over an update for the civil war taking, uh, currently pla taking place currently in America. And unfortunately, the update is not good for our side. We are not yet putting up the kind of fight that it would take to win this war. And if we lose it, the world uh, will be scarcely worth living in. So it's a very, very important war and um, we cannot put on any kind of rose tinted glasses. We have to look at reality the way it really is because if we choose to be free, if we choose to survive, we cannot ignore the bad. It's, it's, we're better off ignoring the good than ignoring the bad. And there has been a pretty unrelenting bad news since since I last spoke to you a week ago. So what has happened? Well, first of all, what has been happening in Kenosha, we now know, we always suspected, but now Attorney General uh, Barr, in his appearance with President Trump at that round table in, in that town, um, said very clearly that, the, that Kenosha was uh, a well-planned, well-executed action by forces like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. In other words, uh, my friends, it was just an act of war. They uh, planned out that battle, they executed it, and they substantially won it. And here is why I'm saying that they won it. They destroyed that town. Um, the person, the, there was only one, substantially, one person, Kyle, right? And Kyle is a kid who said, you know what, from neighboring Illinois, and he said, you know what, I have to do something here. I have friends in Kenosha. I, I have to go help them. And he tried to do just that. Uh, he tried to, you know, erase graffiti, help protect his friends' businesses, things of that nature. But he also was not willing to die without putting up a fight. So he brought his AR-15 rifle with him. And sure enough, uh, the worst case scenario that he uh, envisioned to himself as he was planning this, I imagine, indeed came to pass. In other words, the members of, um, the soldiers really, of Antifa, of BLM, those um, bad actors, those uh, soldiers in, in the army of chaos, uh, counter, they, they didn't counterattack, they attacked him and with a clear intent uh, to kill him. In fact, the last guy that he wounded had a pistol pointed to his head and after he was stitched up, in other words, his arm was stitched up, he said that his only regret was that he didn't kill Kyle. Okay, well, what happened was Kyle kept his cool, 
he operated his rifle exactly in a way that it was supposed to be operated. And in self-defense, he killed two of his would-be uh, murderers and uh, wounded uh, the third one, the, the one that actually had a, a firearm in his hands, as opposed to something like a skateboard, which, by the way, if you get bashed in the head with a skateboard, you can very well die. Um, but anyway, he wounded that guy, and I'm not sure if that was... Uh, a great piece of shooting. I think that he just uh, wanted to hit something, and as it happened, he, he hit the, gun, the, the arm of that guy that actually had the gun in it. Be it as it may, that's what happened. Okay. Well, immediately thereafter, uh, Kyle uh, was charged with first-degree murder and other counts, and uh, should he be convicted of those, he will be spending the rest of his life in prison, which is an insane shame for a young man like that. Now, you guys may be thinking about this and saying, oh my God, this will never happen. Because it was clearly self-defense and because he has this wonderful attorney, Lynn Wood, who uh, got uh, that kid from Kentucky Nick Sandman, his uh, settlements with, with uh, CNN and Washington Post and so on. Well, I don't know. This process will take a long time. Maybe he will be acquitted. Maybe not. Who knows? For now, this guy is has been formally charged with several counts of murder. He's out on parole. Uh, but... His life will never be the same, most likely. So what does it do to other people who may want to do what this Kyle did? I mean, Kyle is an exceptionally brave and well-trained individual. How many more people do you see having the bravery not only to confront that murderous mob with a gun in their hand, but also to, to face the charges that will come with it. In other words, if they actually defend their lives, um, they know that they will be charged. And from that point on, it's like playing Russian roulette, except with much worse chances. Because every move that you make or that you made while defending your life will be analyzed by a jury of people who do not have your bravery or your training, who do not understand for a second what it'd be in this situation when your life is threatened. And they have to, in, the, in that courtroom atmosphere, they have to now weigh whether this or that action that you took was, quote-unquote, reasonable. The chances are not good for you in that situation because you didn't have the luxury of deliberation. It was your life or theirs. And you did what it took to, to, to protect your life. You did not have a full, inf full information in your at your fingertips. You're not a mind reader. You didn't know if the guy swinging the, the skateboard if his intent was to hit you hard enough to kill you or just give you a warning tap. 
You don't know, right? And you have to assume from everything that probably, probably, his intent was to bash you hard enough to cause you permanent brain damage, if not to kill you. And then you shoot. But then every moment of that video from every possible angle is being uh, analyzed by 12 people who are being manipulated by skilled prosecutors working on an indefinite, unlimited budget. In other words, the government is paying for it and the government has an endless supply of money and of malice. Okay, so your chances of getting a fair trial are... And by the way, where are you going to be tried? You're going to be tried in the ultra-liberal town of Kenosha or wherever else, right? So where is the jury pool coming from? They're not coming from Texas. They're not coming from Wyoming. Okay? They're not coming from North Dakota. They're coming from Kenosha on the, on the state line between Wisconsin and Illinois. All right? So your chances are not good. So how many more people are going to go following Kyle's footsteps? Uh, skip to the next day or a couple days later, right? Well, there was this counter rally. In other words, or, uh, people who... Uh, skip now to, I guess it's Portland, not in Kenosha. There's this counter rally by Oregonians from out of Portland who are more, you know, conservative, let's say. And they get in their pickup trucks and they put up um, American flags and they roll into town and they try to put up some sort of resistance to the crazed Antifa BLM mob. Well, what was the result of that battle? The result of that battle was that one of those people, one of those soldiers on our side of the civil war was identified as such by his attire, by his ball cap, and shot. Very simply, just shot. Like, like, how you would shoot an enemy soldier. You know, so having been in the military and participated in wars, I can tell you, you know, when you see a, an enemy soldier and in a battle situation, in other words, not across, you know, it's not like you're looking through binoculars at the other side of the border and see an enemy soldier. No, I'm talking about like in a battle situation, you see an enemy soldier, you shoot him. Very simple, shoot to kill. And that's what happened. For If not for our side, then at least for their side, this was a battle. Okay? And what happened in that battle, they identified an enemy combatant, this guy, Jay Bishop. Right? They identified him, how? By his uniform. Just like you would in a real battle. In other words, these soldiers on the opposite side of the American Civil War from our side, one of the, they identified the soldier opposite, Jay Bishop, by his uniform and shot him. Alright? Just plain, plain as day, shot him. And the guy who shot him, Gage Grosskreutz, alright? By the way, Grosskreutz in German means large cross. Go figure. But anyway, this guy, right? He shot him in cold blood. Cold blood. Not in self-defense and not even close to self-defense. Jay Bishop posed no danger to 
uh, this guy Gage Grosskreutz, right? He shot him in cold blood. It was now several days ago. So far as I know, when I'm doing this show, no charges have been brought. Okay. So let's look at these two battles. The Battle of Kenosha and the ongoing Battle of Portland, Oregon. We lost both of them. In one of them, two, sol two enemy soldiers were killed and one was wounded. But the soldier on our side right, was charged with first-degree mur murder as well as other charges, and that would be a huge deterrent for any other soldiers on our side taking similar action. I don't think that our enemy, the Antifa BLM people, really care that they lost two of their soldiers. They have close to infinite supply. They don't care. To them, if the outcome is that our side, that there will be no more Kyles on our side, that's a victory. So they won the Battle of Kenosha. And now, and then thereafter, they won the Battle of Portland. You know, if you, if you analyze what happened in Portland when Jay Bishop, may he rest in peace, lost his life, was killed in action, in fact, well, what happened there was very simple. It was a battle. There was a column of combatants on our side, all these guys in pickup trucks, that made it, that they had a goal in mind when they showed up. They wanted to put up some resistance to the other side, they wanted to hold that ground, and they lost. They lost, simple as that. One of theirs was killed. The judicial system in America did nothing to the murder. Now, let's analyze this situation. Why is it that the judicial system in America charged the the guy in Portland, sorry, the guy in Kenosha, but not the guy in Portland. How, how come? Well, the answer is that the guy in Portland was on the same side. In other words, the, the Grosskreutz, who killed Jay Bishop, was on the side of our enemies. And the DOJ, the Department of Justice, federal and state and local all of them are on the side of our enemies so why would they charge one of their own why would they charge one of their own and i know i know you're saying bill barr bill barr bill barr fine bill barr is one guy if he was really truly on our side he would put the calabash on the charges against kyle in kenosha there and he would go after, even for federal charges, Gage Grosskreutz. And maybe that will yet happen. I don't know. But for now, I'm not seeing it. For now, what I'm seeing is that the American judicial system, all levels, local, state, and federal, is firmly on the opposing side of the American Civil War, the side that opposes us. In other words, the, sides of, the side of chaos, communism, progressivism, totalitarianism, globalism, Bolshevism and fascism. That's the side that all of the American judicial system is working for. All of it. 
from the smallest court in the smallest town to the Supreme Court. And we see it in one decision after another. And if you don't, then I'm sorry, but you're not looking through neutral colored glasses. You're looking through rose colored glasses and that's not good for your safety and it's not good for your ability to remain free. To remain free, you have to free yourself from preconceptions. That's the most important freedom that you can have is the freedom from preconceptions. And if your preconception is that America still has a functioning and neutral judicial system, then you'd better get rid of it quickly because it does not. It does not. So where are we with this, with this whole thing? Well, I, I hear you guys saying, but November, but Trump landslide. That's where everything will be fine and that's when we will win this war. Except, what do we hear from Bloomberg just in the last couple of days? What we're hearing is that the Democrats fully expect come midnight or whatever in November, on November 3rd, to have an electoral college landslide for Trump. Okay, and we'll continue on this in the next segment. Stay tuned. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Welcome back to the show, folks. So we left the last segment and we were talking about the election uh, and, and, and what would happen in it. And there was an interesting uh, tidbit from Bloomberg news service about what the Democrats think would happen. Now, it's important to understand the kind of the sausage making part of it. And normally, the sausage making part of it is not that complicated. Americans cast uh, their ballots, you know, they show up in person and they cast their ballots in, um, in a school, in a church, in, in some sort of a public venue like that. And um, these uh, um, ballots then get tabulated by uh, various kind of districts and these uh, districts report to the Secretary of State for each state. And as they report, we see on TV that, you know, the results and, they can, and we can see what, uh, what is unfolding in, in real time. Now, there's also absentee ballots. Those usually are, are counted even before election day, though the results are held uh, 
in secret, I guess, until and and once all all the all the uh, polling stations in that state are closed, then they're released all at once, and there are certain. Um, all of a sudden, we see on our TVs that this or this, this or that has happened, but that's usually uh, the small part of it. Now, what is Bloomberg saying that will happen on this election night, November 3rd, is something absolutely, totally different. What Bloomberg is saying is that on election night, this process that I just described will not mean a damn thing. Because normally what happens is as this process unfolds, the news, you know, the news services, ABC, NBC, you know, CBS, CNN, Fox, and so on, they look at what's happening. They have their projections, exit polls, and things of that nature. And then once they see that there is no chance for the other guy, they call it for the guy who's winning. And what, is, what Bloomberg is saying is that Democrats have no doubt that if this process is followed this time around, Trump will win an electoral college and probably even popular vote landslide. Now, normally, this would be it. So whoever is, is the, the guy that's beaten, in this case, Joe Biden, if he lives that long, gets up on... Uh, you know, in front of his supporters in his election headquarters and says, I just called my opponent, I just called President Trump and I conceded the election and I congratulated him on having won a hard-fought fight and wished him all the best, right? Well, what Bloomberg is saying is that the Democrats are, in the Democrats' mind, that's not at all what's going to happen this time. What's going to happen this time and they had a dry run for that in the 2018 uh, midterms, what will happen this time is that the news uh, organizations, the news services that are supposed to call the election will not do so. And, and even, even in the face of a landslide, they will not do so because there will supposedly be these mountains upon mountains of mailed in ballots that nobody knows how many nobody knows how many were mailed okay nobody knows when they were mailed and nobody knows when they may arrive but they will claim that they're out there and that nothing can be called until they're all they all arrive and are counted and that may take weeks and during those weeks, the process that will unfold, this is what Bloomberg is saying, is that Trump's landslide victories in various states will start being chipped at, and then finally, they will disappear. And tr Trump will end up losing. So there will be no concession, and there will be no pressure for concession via the calls of various news services that they say basically, okay, Trump has been reelected. So whether somebody concedes or doesn't concede is beyond, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> doesn't matter, right? What matters is that everybody says, well, that's what happened. Trump got reelected. Now, whether you want to concede or not, that's up to you. But that's not what will happen. There will not be, the election will not be called. 
on election night. Okay, so th this this is uh, uh, we're talking this show about the American Civil War, and unfortunately, this will be the kind of first general battle, not a skirmish like in Portland or series of skirmishes, not a kind of uh, mini battle like happened in Keno in Kenosha. This will be the first general battle of the Civil War. And unlike with some battles, the results of this battle will be very, very clear. In other words, after Trump clearly wins in a landslide on November 3rd, but his win is not called by the news organizations. Well, we know what happens next. We know that next, unless this is challenged somehow, is Trump's loss. Okay? This is Pelosi's plan. This is the Democrats' plan. This is what they're talking about when they're talking about fumigating Trump out of the White House by using the military to remove him. Uh, this is what the groundwork that they're preparing by, say, by saying that Trump will not, con you know, will not concede defeat. All of this is is basically them saying that Trump has already lost because they are the ones that counting votes, and there's no limit on votes. You know, normally you say, well, there's only as many votes as there are eligible voters. In other words, citizens above the age of 18 in a certain district, state, and, and in fact in the entire country. But that's not what's happening now. Now, because of this mail-in voting, there is no limit on how many votes can be sent. I mean, there's absolutely no limit to how many votes can be sent. These ballots, these pre, you know, these ballots that they're mailing people, there is uh, more of them than there are people. And much more. And it's not going to be at all difficult to replicate them, photocopy them, whatever. And, and so really there's no limit on how many ballots there are. And they're going to keep counting them until they have enough for Trump to be defeated in, in those key states that he needs to be defeated in in order to lose their re-election. And so the question is, how ready is our side for this general battle? Who, who is on our side? Is the military on our side? I don't know. I don't know. I was saying in the last segment that I do not for a second believe that the judiciary, I mean that the legal system is on our side. And unfortunately, in this battle, in this general engagement that's coming in November 3rd, it is very likely to be the military, I'm sorry, the judicial system, the legal system, the court system, that will determine the outcome. Because we know that the Democrats are hiring an army of lawyers to defend their illegal election stealing scheme. And it's likely that President Trump 
is doing the same thing. But I don't feel confident about this for a number of reasons. One is I think that most lawyers in America are liberal, progressive communists. I don't think that there is enough lawyers like Mr. Lynn Wood, who is defending Kyle and, Nick, and, and representing Nick Sandman, to counter the sheer mass of lawyers that is on the other side. We know, and, and, and this is another lost battle in this uh, past period since, since our last show that I want to talk to you about, we know what happened in the Washington district, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the district court, uh, sorry, in the appellate circuit court for Washington, D.C., with regards to General Flynn. I mean, this is a close and shot case where the government, which is the entity that brought charges against General Flynn, withdrew those charges and with prejudice. In other words, the Attorney General uh, Barr conducted an investigation into those charges and has determined, officially, that those charges were 100% bogus. And in fact, malicious. And that uh, General Flynn's uh, guilty plea was extracted from him by extortion. So the government says, we, want, we the charging entity, the government, the federal government says, we don't want anything to do with this. Let this guy go. And now everything, cancel everything, shut, shut the front door, let him go. Well, this activist judge, Sullivan, he says no. And he makes himself the prosecutor. And it goes, unprecedented, and it goes to the appellate court. And the appellate court, uh, you know, the three judges that are set, that are selected first, well, two of them, two out of three, they agree with the government, say, grant him the writ of mandamus, in other words, throw out the case against him, let him go. One dissent. Then Judge Sullivan, who is now, in fact, the prosecutor and the judge, he says, I want an unbanked hearing. In other words, I want all 10 judges from that circuit court to hear it. Well, so uh, Sidney Powell, General Flynn's attorney, she says, of course, we object, we want the writ of mandamus, but if you don't grant us this writ of mandamus, at least remove this Judge Sullivan because he has, he has made his, I, I mean, he has made his bias against General Flynn a matter, of, a matter of public knowledge. He made himself into a prosecutor against Flynn, let alone a judge. He's clearly not impartial. He's partial. He's biased against this defendant. Okay. Well, the on-bank ten, 10 judges, you know, they meet and they decide against General Flynn. Not only do they um, overturn the decision of the, uh, the previous decision of the three judges, 
to grant him the writ of mandamus, they also declined to remove Judge Sullivan from the case, saying that his his bias has never, you know, has not been proven. But I, you know, I have another question that people have people, in my opinion, haven't paid attention to. This decision by the unbanked un un court was was eight to two. In other words, only the same two judges that ruled in General Flynn's favor in that small three-judge panel, only the two of them repeated their decision in his favor. So I have a question. How come out of ten judges, a panel of three was convened for the first hearing, which included the only two judges who had conservative leanings and therefore could be relied upon to decide in General Flynn's favor. How did that happen? How did that come to be? And my answer to this question is that all they want to do is they want to drag this proceeding beyond the election. And that's not an original thought. Everybody knows this. And now Judge Sullivan, after it was returned to him, has created a, a kind of a roadmap that takes us indeed beyond the election. The reason for that, of course, is if General Flynn becomes a free man, in other words, when he is fully acquitted and, and every, all the charges against him are dropped and so on, he becomes unmuzzled. And he has a lot to say, and he can say none of it while the proceedings against him are still ongoing. So they don't want him uh, talking, and he is a very effective surrogate for President Trump, and they don't want him, he, he was very effective in 2016, and they don't want a repeat of that in this election. And while he is still being, uh, he, while he's still a defendant in a criminal trial, he cannot possibly appear on President Trump's behalf. So he's been neutralized. But in my opinion, whoever, can, whoever decided which three judges would sit in the first hearing put the two conservative judges, the only two conservative judges, on that panel on purpose. And what was the purpose? The purpose was for them to rule for General Flynn, knowing that Sullivan, the judge, will then request an on-bank hearing and knowing full well that the on-bank will overturn that panel. And that is all, and that drags, right? Because I'm, I'll, let me tell you, from any kind of statistical perspective, if you have a panel which is eight to two liberal and you just randomly select three judges, it is exceedingly unlikely that two of those three judges selected will be the conservative ones. So in any random picking, it would have been, it would have been such that either all three or at least two out of three judges would have been liberal and that uh, the judge, judge uh, I'm sorry, the General Flynn's uh, appeal to this court to let him go would have been denied in the first go. But they didn't want to deny it in the first go because that would have been too quick. It would have given a chance to Sidney Powell to appeal to Unbank, to appeal to Supreme Court, etc. They wanted to drag it out, which is why they put the two 
conservative judges on that first panel gave him supposed relief only to overturn it later. And the reason I'm mentioning all of this is guess where election type litigation will, the, the litigation about the elections in, in November, guess where that will go? That will go first to, to that exact same federal circuit DC court. A court that is politicized to the point of no return, eight to two. And these eight political hacks are willing to do insane things like deny relief to a person who the government which charged him is, is now willing to and wants to withdraw these charges. Crazy, right? Stay tuned. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. To unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. We are the vision of the voices. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. Welcome back to the show, folks. So in the previous uh, two segments, I've laid out how the civil war in America is A, accelerating faster than even I imagined, and two, how in all the major engagements so far, our side has suffered decisive defeats. And let me just recap it really quickly. Uh, our side has suffered a defeat in Kenosha, where uh, a very brave warrior, Kyle Rittenhouse, I believe his name is, fought for for his life, but then was charged with uh, every possible count of murder, including intentional, which is crazy, first degree. And even though he has pro bono excellent representation, these charges, considering America's uh, very biased judiciary are not unlikely to stick considering where his jury pool will come from and considering who the judge will be over there in uh, in Wisconsin and so on. And the main reason that I'm saying that the battle for Kenosha was lost 
by our side is that the immediate charges and the insane severity of the charges brought against Kyle most certainly deter, deter any future Kyles. You know, people, we talk a lot on our side about having guns and whatnot. Well, and training with guns, and that's very important. But here you have a kid who handled his rifle excellently, responsibly, did all the right things, and he's being put on trial for his life substantially. Okay? So, it's not about having guns and knowing how to use them now, is it? If you go out there and try to do that, even if you defend yourself well, as Kyle did with bullets, you may very well still forfeit your life because of the corrupt American judiciary. In other words, because the American judiciary on every level has been taken over by the other side, by the communist fascists, it's not really possible to deploy our firearms effectively. That's what Kenosha demonstrates, right? And especially what it demonstrates is that it's impossible to deploy our firepower effectively in liberal jurisdictions like Kenosha and Portland, Oregon, let's say. But that's where the battle is. Now, we also lost the Battle of Portland. Because our enemies have been running amok there for three, four months now. And finally, residents of other areas in Oregon, which are far more conservative, decided to organize a bit of a pushback. But that pushback failed because Jay Bishop, a soldier on our side was killed by a person who is well known to the police and so on. And that person is still free. That person was not in fear for his life. He was not being attacked by Jay Bishop. He killed him from a distance. And yet, to date, no charges have been brought. So you have the kid in Kyle in Kenosha who was in fear for his life, legitimately so, was being chased, beaten up, and nearly shot. And in defense of his life, he killed two and wounded one, being charged with multiple counts of murder, including premeditated murder. Whereas the guy who actually committed premeditated murder, cold blood, in Oregon, is not being charged with anything. So that's loss number two. Loss number three is what happened with General Flynn. The on-bank Court of Appeals 
in the DC Circuit, Federal Court, 8 to 2 denied the government its right to withdraw charges against Flynn, which is an insane decision, clearly wrong on every point of law, clearly designed to muzzle General Flynn from disclosing what he knows and for stomping for President Trump by pushing the resolution of his case till after the election. But there's more. The DC Circuit Court, those eight judges that ruled, that wrote and put on paper a 100% illegal, politically driven decision did not stop for a moment to consider how egregious it looks. They don't care. The masks are off, my friends. The masks are off. Now, don't forget that it's that same exact court that is going to be deciding on issues regarding the November election. I know that after that, it will go to the Supreme Court. But until it does, it will be this court this will, that will be deciding. And what they're telling us, my friends, is that they are fully engaged. They are frontline troops for the Islamo-fascists, communist, progressive, totalitarian globalists that are arraigned against us. They're 100% with them. Okay? So no matter what is brought in front of that court, we know that they're going to rule for Biden, don't we? 100%. For Biden, for the Democrats, whether it's in, whether it's a congressional race, a Senate race, whatever race, it will be all ruled for the Democrats, 100%. That's what they're saying. The legal arguments are a sham. Nobody's going to care what the legal arguments are. The lawyers might as well just, you know, they can read Seinfeld scripts in court for oral arguments, for all it matters. Because it doesn't matter. Because the decision is pre-written. So that was the third defeat that we suffered this in this in this just the last week. And there's also another aspect of it, which is that Bloomberg, now Bloomberg of course is left-leaning and all of that, but it's hardly you know, how should, I, how should I put it? It's hardly on the crazy fringes, right, of the left spectrum. And yet, it brings out this article which says that the Democrats have no... The, the, the Democrats, A, know that if you count votes cast in person, Trump will win a landslide. And B, they don't care. They don't care. They're not going to concede. The mainstream media that is supposed to call the election will not call it. Biden will not concede. Hillary already said that. And they will just sit there and count enough of the infinite number of mail-in ballots which they just make up out of thin air to overturn any Biden victory. 
Bloomberg says that that's what the Democrats are planning and it's probably well sourced. And now, if you think about this, what really happened? What really happened is that the Democrats purposefully disclosed this plan to Bloomberg in order for it to be published. Right? There's no other way that this could have happened. This is not something they wanted kept secret. If they wanted it kept secret, they wouldn't have been blabbing. They're just confident that this indeed is what will happen. And there's another reason that they, why they did that. The reason they did that was to tell their front troops that are rioting to chill it or cool their heels. So basically what the Democrats are telling their shock troops, their brown shirts, in places like Kenosha, Oregon, D.C., Chicago, New York, and so on, they're telling them, okay, 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 guys, you served your purpose. You delivered America a really good punch, and America is now reeling, it's on its heels, it's staggering, it's just about to fall, but now we don't want you to follow it with a kind of a coup de gras, coup de grace. Right? We want you to cool your heels because the coup de grace will come in the election. Or actually post-election. And what's happening now is they're telling the rioters is that what they're doing is counterproductive at this point. Because they serve their purpose by creating an atmosphere in America of instability. That's what they want. They want it to, to show the world, they want to show Americans that America is in trouble, that it's unstable. Well, that was accomplished. Now they want them to pull back because they crossed the line into where further riots are now just upsetting the suburban soccer moms, you know, those mythical suburban soccer moms that hate Trump because of his tweets but are okay with people bashing other people with, snow, with, with skateboards in the head to a point. But when it becomes too much, the, even the soccer moms go like, ah, you know, we don't love this. Plus, they feel like they're personally insecure now. So the Democrats are telling that they're, they're, you know, the leadership, the Democratic leadership is telling the brown shirts, you know, cool it, guys, because we have another plan in place. Don't worry. Don't worry. We know how to steal this election. So you did your part. Now just sit and wait. And we may yet very well call upon you in the aftermath of the election. So what will happen after the election? The rioting will go up quite a few notches. While at the same time, there is no concession from the Democrats, no concession from Biden. They're counting all these fake uh, mail ballots. And by the way, don't think for a second that they will actually be opening any envelopes. Or if they are, those envelopes are already sealed. They're sitting in some warehouse. This is not do with people actually filling out ballots, my friends. If you, if you really believe that the Democrat plan is by some actual voters filling out actual ballots and putting stamps on actual envelopes and mailing them, then you, you know, you're way too naive for, for me. None of this is true. The Democrats' plan to steal the election has not to do with any voters or even real people, legal residents, illegal residents, citizens, non-citizens. 
filling out any actual ballots and mailing them. That's not at all what their plan is about. Their plan rests on pre-filled ballots all in favor of Democrats on every level, congressional, senatorial, and presidential, and these ballots are, are already prepared. There's already warehouses full of those ballots and none of them was filled out by any legitimate vote. They were filled out by uh, apparatchik, by, by, by soldiers on their side of the civil war. Not by any voters. Okay. And they're just going to release enough of these fake ballots to win. That's what they're saying. It's not do with any legitimate voting by in person or not in person. It just has to do with a complete, bold-faced stealing of the election. That's all. Now, what they're telling our side is, look, guys, we're not going to let you win. It's as simple as that. And they've been saying it openly. Remember how Obama, when he was running for president, he said openly everything that he was going to do? He said that he hated the Constitution, which was a charter of negative liberties, he said. He wanted to fundamentally transform America. If you built a business, well, it wasn't you who built it, he said, and you should take, you should give it all back. To whom? To people who had not do with it, but that's what he said. And we didn't believe him, did we? Like, well, some of us did, but most, no. Most Americans said, oh, you know, that's not what he really means. Well, he meant it, and he said it. And what now the Democrats are saying, listen, we don't care what votes you, you, you cast in your local polling station. You know, you'll go to that schoolhouse, all right, in Manchester, New Hampshire, or wherever, and you're going to stand in line, you know, and it's going to be, you can, you're going to stand in line in that freezing rain in November, and you're going to go in, and you're going to proudly, you know, pull the lever or whatever the mechanism is for President Trump and for a Republican ticket up and down the line. And what we're telling you, the Democrats are saying, is that you might as well have stayed home because none of this will count. And we will make up enough fake votes to counteract you as much as we need in order to throw President Trump out of the White House. And by the way, they will go all the way and they will make sure that they have enough of these fake votes to take control of the Senate and the Congress, and then Katie bar the door. Because at that point, America will be finished. Completely finished. Now, I don't think that this is something that President Trump is not aware of. And I fervently hope that he and those around him have some sort of a plan to counteract this assault because they're telling us what's going to happen. And they're telling us what's going to happen because they feel quite secure that they have enough of a stranglehold on America's legal system and so on that they can pull it off, right? Well, maybe they have a nasty surprise coming to them, maybe. I am a believer in President Trump's being exceedingly smart, having a lot to lose, 
and not and loving America. Having a lot to lose personally, but more importantly, being in total love with the country that gave him everything with America. And I do believe that he's giving a lot of thought on how to counteract these actions by the Democrats. So I'm going to leave you with a hopeful note that while we've suffered some significant setbacks, I do harbor hope that President Trump is yet able to do something and that all is not lost. Stay free, my friends. Stay tuned.